Well, good morning, guys, once again. Like I told you, we are starting a new series. It's called The I Am Team. I'm pretty excited about it. I always love the first week of a new series because I get to find out what Dave chose as a buffer song. Uh, solid choice, once again, Dave. I appreciate it. Phil. There, there weren't any good other good teams on the There just weren't. Are you sure? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine that there'd be a lot surrounding that. But like I said, today is the I and team. We're going to look at part one today, and it's called Clear Direction. Uh, I'm excited about the new series. It focuses, like you might imagine, on teamwork. It is titled, as it says, the I and team. Now, the goal of this series is to look at the various things that make a successful team and what individuals can do to contribute to successful team outcomes. Now, I like series like these because I feel like it will apply for us to so many areas of our life. Obviously, the church, we can apply it to family, we can apply it to marriages, we can apply it to work, uh, we can apply it to friendships. And so uh, I'm excited. We're looking at some different things over the next, I think it's eight weeks or so. Um, I should know that, but I don't know off the top of my head for some reason all of a sudden. But next eight weeks or so, we're going to look at different aspects of what make a good team. Now, your whole life, your whole entire life, you've heard that there is no I in team. It's become one of those rallying cries. Uh, to which Kobe Bryant once responded, yeah, but there's a me. He had some other words uh, that he added to that, but his teammates were upset that he wasn't passing the ball. And Shaq tells this story that he was talking to Kobe and he was like, hey, man, they're open. You got to pass in the ball. There's no, there's no I in team. And Kobe said, yeah, but there's a me. And that uh, he wasn't passing, not to those guys. Not to, as he referred to his teammates lovingly, they were bums. Um, but the fact of the matter is, there is no I in team. It's not a statement that's actually true. Uh, the fact is that teams are made up of a bunch of I's, a bunch of individuals, and they become we's when they focus on the things that will make their team as a whole successful. And they become we's uh, when they stop becoming I's. When I's are focused on successfully completing their individual task that they can so that they can experience the joy of becoming we's, right? So we as Christians, we talk about being the body of Christ. Every single one of us has a different role to fill, a different duty to complete, and God gives us that, that role in our life. And, and, and we don't always at first know what it is. It's something that kind of develops over time, but in order for the body of Christ to work correctly, all the individual eyes have to be working on their individual task in unison to complete a goal. And so when the eyes, like I said, are focused on successfully completing their individual tasks, then parts become a whole and dreams become a reality. Sounds like a presidential speech. It's a way to end. Parts become a whole, dreams become reality. Vote for Paul. Infrastructure. <laughs> Infrastructure. So today we are going to focus on direction because strong teams have a clear direction. Now, clear direction provides purpose. Purpose is a prerequisite for success. Success in teamwork is individual parts becoming a whole. Now, Jane Goodall, everybody know who Jane Goodall is? She, it's been a while since Jane Goodall was like a real big thing, but as last I knew, she was still alive. But Jane Goodall basically wanted to rescue the gorillas. She wanted to make sure that deforestation and poaching and different things weren't wiping out the native gorilla population so much so that she like went and lived among them. It's pretty impressive, really. Um, and she had this to say kind of about teamwork. She says, every individual matters, every individual has a role to play, and every individual makes a difference. 
Now, I think that that's important because I think that you can literally apply her statement to any task, any task. If you're a football team, you're trying to win a game. If you're a marriage that's trying to unify, stick together to complete whatever goal you set out in front of you. If you're at work and you're working in a team to complete that project. If it's in a friendship where you're just trying to determine what one of you, each of you needs from each other and how you can balance that thing out and build a strong relationship. Everybody has a role, everybody's important, and everybody can make a difference. So what's our clear direction? What's our clear direction? The, 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 the point of this series for me is obviously to show us how we can apply this to all parts in our lives, but how it affects us personally as Crosspoint, us as individuals and us corporately. So what's our clear direction? Well, this may shock you, but I'm going to go look at the Bible. I'm going to go look at the Bible to tell you what our direction should be. So in John 10, 27, Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them in, and they follow me. Our direction comes from God. That's important, right? When you're looking for your direction as a member of a team, you always look for your team leader. Our team leader is God. And I know that sounds like a corny t-shirt, but sometimes corny t-shirts are true. And this is one of those instances where they're true. If you're looking for a team leader, if you're looking for somebody to direct you, if you're looking for where you should start in life, God is the answer. Now we have a leadership team here as well at church. You personally are the leadership team in your own life, right? You're at the helm. You get to make those daily decisions on which way you go, the different decisions you make, the different choices you make. Amen, Ellie, I appreciate that. There's always someone, however, to answer to. And so if we boil it down, if we get down to the very base of it, for us as Christians, the person that we answer to is our God. We answer to God. It's the big guy, so to speak. His sheep listen to his voice and they follow it. This lends itself to a certain intimacy, right? His sheep. It doesn't say all sheep. It says his sheep will hear his voice and they will know it. You must be in an intimate relationship with God in order to know what your direction from him is. See, we can't have or give clear direction if we're separated from the source of what that direction is. It's impossible. God's voice will lead us and so will his word. So the second thing that we have to do when it comes to direction is that we must follow the path. We must follow the path. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. In this verse, the psalmist confirms what's previously stated, or chronologically, maybe not necessarily, but in Proverbs uh, 6.23, it says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the teaching a light, and the reproofs of discipline are a way of life. Can you imagine your parents leaving you a chores list and you completing none of it? This is what kind of stood out to me because this is what would happen. My mom, bless her, she's a single mom. She worked three jobs. At one point, she may have worked four jobs, but she was almost always gone working. Wasn't her choice necessarily. Wasn't something that she wanted to do, but it's something that she had to do to provide for us, and she did an excellent job. She was always gone. 
Saturday, she'd work all day, all, all week, Monday through Friday. Saturday morning, she was gone before we got up. And you'd come in and on the kitchen table and her like nice, beautiful cursive, if you've ever seen her handwriting, it's amazing. She had her chore list and there was your name and all the things she wanted to do. And then there was Charles's name and there was Brennan's name. And I could have always claimed that I couldn't read cursive because it was difficult anyways, but I didn't do that. And we knew that this chore list was something for us to complete. So can you imagine your parents doing that for you and then getting home and underneath your name was do the dishes and the dishes weren't done. And mom comes in and for me, it was mom because she was a scary one too. Mom comes in and she says, why do you do the dishes? And you say, well, you didn't tell me to do the dishes. I didn't audibly hear you tell me to do the dishes. What was that? That's a built-in excuse. And as Christians, we like to use that excuse a lot when it comes to the way that God is leading us in our life. God wants me to do a certain thing. He wants me to act a certain way. The Bible makes that clear, right? We have the Ten Commandments. We have all sorts of instructions. We see decisions that God makes all throughout history. Jesus, the same. It's there in the good book. We have these instructions, but so many of us want to hear it audibly. I just need God to tell me. Like somehow because it was written down on a piece of paper, you're not responsible. Like somehow if you didn't hear it directly from mama's mouth, you weren't still going to get a whooping for not doing it. Right? And so we have the word. We must follow the path because all of these things combined, all of these things combined, God's decisions, his character, his expectations, all these things that the Bible reveals to us, they combine to guide our steps as well as any audible instruction or verbal direction that we could ever hear. And so, yes, we must listen for the Spirit. We must follow the Spirit. We must follow God's voice as His sheep. We must know it. We must be intimate with Him in our relationship. But also, we can't leave not hearing some audible instruction as an excuse not to live a godly life because it's there in the Word. It's there in the Scripture. And if God never spoke again, it is my firm belief that we would know enough just from the Holy Bible to live our lives the way that we are supposed to live our lives. Amen? So we got to get in there. We got to know what it says. Our directions come directly from God, yes, but they also come from God's word. And the good news is that God's direction in his word is honestly really clear. It's really clear. Now, he may not have given you some step-by-step -step direction Turn left in 0.3 miles. Look right, right? That may not be exactly what he did, but overarching, he gave us an idea of what Christians are supposed to do and how we're supposed to live our life. We're going to look at Matthew 28, 19 through 20. If you have been around me at any point whatsoever, this should not shock you. Why? This is the Great Commission. This is it. If you had nothing else, I said that once before, I'm going to say it again. If you had nothing else from Scripture, you just had this, I think it would be enough to give you a direction, to give you a purpose for you to be able to follow God and have a relationship with him. Because this is what it says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Again, like I said, this shouldn't shock you that I was going to come out with this. I've used this passage a number of times to talk about direction, to talk about our goals for the church. And the reason I'll continue to use it is because it, it's the most important thing in my book, at least one of them. 
If it was the last thing that Jesus said, if you remember when we kind of talked about this a while ago in a series, however long ago that was, if it's the last thing that Jesus said before he went to heaven, must have been pretty important, right? Must have been pretty important. Here's the thing. The sole purpose of Scripture is to lead us and others into a relationship with Christ. You see what I did there? The soul. Soul, S-O-U, the soul. I'm pointing to the center because I always imagine that's where the soul is, but I'm just saying. The sole purpose of Scripture is to lead us and others into a relationship with Christ. And so we have to be able to teach them to obey all the commands that were given to them. And we must go out into all the world to make disciples. You see, the greatest commandment in Scripture has Matthew 28 as their end game. The commandments that tell us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, I believe, have Matthew 28 as the end game, when we look at verse 19 and 20, to go and to make disciples. Disciple is not acquaintance. He didn't say go and make acquaintances, go and introduce me. He said go and make disciples. A disciple of anything is somebody who actively engages and follows a certain something. And you can be a disciple of many things in your life. You can be a disciple of Francis Chan. You could be a disciple of Dave Ramsey. You could be a disciple of the WWE. Is it still called that? Where we put our focus, what we engage with, what we follow after, that's what we are a disciple to. And sometimes being a disciple of those things is good as long as those things are pointing us to God. Because in the end, that's what it is all about. And so we love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength, and we love neighbors as ourselves in hopes that we make disciples who will in turn join in our team and rally around our central focus, who will look at us and say, I agree with you, I will disciple with you. I will chase after what you chase after. I will make the main thing, the main thing, the important thing, which is God. And I will now focus on making disciples as well. And we get them there by teaching them to obey everything that God has commanded them. By listening to his voice and using his words to direct their steps. In Matthew 16, 24 through 27, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done to further clarify our direction and the direction of every believer. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that to reach our stated goal, to get to the point where we are chasing after the world to make them disciples of Christ, we have to become secondary. We have to choose second. 
Mark 8.35, it's a cross-reference for this verse. It says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will, and for the gospel will save it. That's why we put it on our shirts. Because if you go to step one, if you start at the process of where our direction begins, that's where it begins. It may have been... It may be the last kind of main point, main focus that I mentioned, but it's the first thing that we have to do. We have to choose to be second in our lives, and it is a daily decision. I did a sermon series a long time ago near the beginning of COVID where we were recording sermons only and no one was in the building. It's kind of where the, uh, the, the inspiration for the shirt came from. We talked about how when we talk about denying ourselves, losing our life, choosing God before us, the Greek there, the original language is written in a tense that would tell the people who were reading it that this was a constant, ongoing action. It's not like salvation, right? When we experience salvation, when when Christ saves us, that is instantly completed. When you accept Jesus as your savior, when you ask for forgiveness, when that salvation comes to you, it is instantly done. But it's not like, hey, I chose God when I was eight years old or fill in whatever age you may have come to Christ and now I'm done. It's not how it works. It's an active everyday choice. Some days, and you all know this, some days, It's a minute-by-minute choice. Some days it's an hourly choice, right? But every day we have to make the decision to say that God is going to be the absolute first thing in my life. So if we can get a little synopsis, if we can compact this, what is our purpose as individuals? I'm talking as cross-pointers, as Christians. What is our purpose as a church First, we start by choosing second, by actively every day saying that God's will is going to be before my own. And there is power in stepping out in faith and making that choice and in making that decision. After we make that decision, we listen for God's voice. We listen for God's voice so that he can lead and he can guide and he can direct us. But we must alongside of this everyday choice, be in our word, be in God's word so that we know his character and we know the decisions that he would make so that as we approach these different things in life, we know which path to take. That rhymed and it wasn't intentional. After we dive into God's word, we must understand that we do all of this with the goal of making disciples. We are choosing second. We are listening We are following in order that we might make disciples and bring others to Christ. I'm second so that he can be first so that others won't be last. I'm second so that he can be first so others won't be last. Matthew 20, 16 says the last will be first and the first will be last. Why is that important? Because it has eternal consequences. Those of us who choose to be second, to choose to be last here on earth, 
will get to be first when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, when it comes to our eternity. But those who seek their reward here on earth, those who follow their own path, those who are determined to not listen to God's teachings, to not listen to God's word, to not follow his leading, they will be last when it comes to eternity. And they will hear the dreaded words, depart from me, for I never knew you. And so we choose second so that God can be first so that no one will be last. Because I don't ever want to get to heaven and feel like there was a situation that I came across that I didn't handle as if God was first in my life. And because of that situation, I might as well have Spartan kicked somebody out of the doors of heaven. I'm telling you right now, I've got to deal with that a lot. I've got a guilty conscience because of my past, because of the way that I lived and the way that I walked when I said I was a Christian. I was a Christian, but you wouldn't have seen Jesus anywhere near me. Except to tell me that he could offer me a drink that would allow me to never thirst again. Except to tell me that I should go forward and sin no more. Because at a time when I had the most influence in my life, I was leading people down a wrong path. And I was showing them a Jesus that was a hypocrite. And I don't want to get to heaven and have to give an account for my entire life and have the end of that account look like the beginning of that account because that would say that I was not changed that would say that God didn't move me that would say that Christ didn't save me that would say that I didn't have an intimate relationship with him that would say that I didn't make these things my goal and that I didn't put others before myself but that I only worried about number one the thing is that he he will speak my path into existence And his revelation will light my way. And I will love God. And I will do my very best to treat others with respect at all times. And I will teach them about Jesus in my daily occurrences. And just the way that I treat them. I will show my wife the character of Jesus in the way that I give her grace. In times where she may or may not need it, but I'm just feeling frisky. I will work with people and be gracious to them when they come and ask me to do parts of their job or when they ask the same question for the 15th time. Because that's what Christ, I believe, would do. He would lead with grace. He would love first. In all of my interactions, I will do this. I will do this at work. I will do this in my family. I'll do this at Walmart when they want me to check myself out. I will do this in my marriage. I will do this because that's the way that it should be. And because that's the way that it should be, that's the way for me that it will be. Yes, I will stumble at times. No, I will not always be perfect. 
but I will live my life with the end goal in sight that I will make disciples of the people around me and that I will show them the love that Christ would show them. And as a church, as a church, that has to be our goal. We are a mission field. We don't have to travel anywhere to find one. We really just have to go next door in any direction. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word, the fact that you reveal yourself to us through it. But God, you are very real and you still speak. So God, I, I thank you that you speak to us. I thank you that you guide our steps and you lead our direction and that you illuminate our path. At the end of the day, Lord, I am here because I was a sinner saved by grace. And I am surrounded by other sinners who have been saved by grace and by a world who has turned their back on you. They are sinners, yes. And we need to see them as sinners who can be saved by grace. Not sinners who should be ignored or rejected. but family members who just haven't walked through the door yet. God, may everything we do be to make disciples. May everything we do be to spread the kingdom of God and the love of Christ. And if there's something within us, Lord, that would lead us away from that purpose, then remove it. Prune us, Father, the things that we don't need in our lives. May we choose second so that you can be first, so that others don't have to be last. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to stand down front. I meant to bring a mask today, uh, just in case anybody was COVID conscious. I have been vaccinated. I tell you that only, so uh, maybe that gives you some comfort. But if you need to come pray with me, please do so, whatever it may be. I have learned in my life that there is nothing too big or too small to bring to the Father. He wants to know about it all. He is interested. So if there's something you need to pray about or you need prayer for, by all means, come pray with me or catch me after service and just let me know what that need is. And I would be honored and I would love to pray for you. If you don't have a relationship with God and you recognize that, you haven't made Christ your central focus and that's something that you would like to do, I'll tell you first, that's the best decision that you can ever make. And I'll tell you secondly, to not leave these doors without having that conversation with me. If you'd like to become a member of our church, we would love to have you. You can talk to me about that after service. Otherwise, guys, let's stand and let's just give God the offering of worship that he deserves.